I'd like for you to take your Bibles with me this evening. And first thing I want you to do is find the book of Esther. Esther is immediately after Nehemiah. Find the book of Esther, and when you found Esther, go ahead and put a marker there. And then find Psalm 37, if you would. Open to Psalm 37. That's where we're actually going to begin tonight, at Psalm 37. So find the book of Esther, Esther chapter 1. Put a marker in there, and then, and then locate uh, Psalm 37. I want to speak to you tonight. A message entitled, Lessons from Esther. Lessons from the book of Esther. And uh, I'm not going to give us anything tonight that's, that's uh, bombastic or... Or, or something that you've never heard before. We're just going to talk about some of the old rock bed principles of Christian living and just remind us of some things. We're forgetful people. You realize that? We're forgetful people. And today, Mrs. Griffith was viewing a, a, an email that was sent to her, and uh, I looked at it sometime later after uh, when I had some time this afternoon, and it's about the September 11th attacks on the World Trade Center. And I mentioned to her, People forget so quickly, don't they? Uh, five years ago, this entire nation was together as one to stand against um, the, the Islamic terrorists. And here we find ourselves five years later, five years later in our country, fractured and torn apart over the very same issue. People forget. People forget. And we forget as Christians. We forget those things that we should remember. So tonight, I want to just try to Help us remember a few things. Look at Psalm 37 with me, if you would. And uh, let's go ahead and stand now as I read the first 15 verses of this psalm. Psalm 37, beginning with verse 1. Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they, soon, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger, and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil, for evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The wicked plotteth against the just, and gnasheth upon him with his teeth. The Lord shall laugh at him, for he seeth that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn out the sword and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy and to slay such as be of upright conversation. Their sword shall enter into their own heart and their bows shall be broken. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this night. And I pray that you'd help us tonight to remember some things. Just remember some things about how great and how mighty you are. Thank you for the time we have together. We pray you bless our pastor you uh, give them a good visit with their family. We pray for Clarissa that you would bring along her delivery quickly and, 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 and with good success. And we'll praise you and we'll thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Now, if you would, go with me to the book of Esther. Esther chapter 1. 
The book of Esther is best known as written testimony of the watch care of our great and glorious Lord. It is written following the period of Nehemiah and the rebuilding of the city of Jerusalem. A small remnant of the people returned to Jerusalem. However, the mass of the nation preferred to remain in Persia, where life was more lucrative and easy under the Persian rule. Yet even though they chose not to return unto the land of their fathers, under the holy city, God does not forsake this remnant that remains in Persia. What he does for them in this place and during this time is a lesson that we will all do well to remember today. So tonight I would like to look at three lessons from the life of Esther. And I'd like to just remind us, as I said, just remind us of some very important truths tonight. Things we need to remember as we proceed through our, our, our pilgrimage on this earth. In this day when it seems that, that the principles of godly living in America are being, are being sold down the river uh, by the bushels, we need to remember some things. So number one tonight, lesson number one is this. Let us remember the providence of God. Lesson number one tonight, we need to remember the providence of God. Look with me now at Esther chapter 2, if you would. And let's look at verse number 1 together. Esther chapter 2 and verse 1. After these things, when the wrath of of King uh, Asarius was appeased, he remembered Vashti and what what she had done and what was decreed against her. Then said the king's servant that ministered unto him, Let there be fair young virgins sought for the king. And let the king appoint officers in all the provinces of his kingdom, that they may gather together all the fair young virgins unto Shushan the palace, to the house of the women, unto the custody of Heg, the king's chamberlain, keeper of the women, and let their things for purification be given them. And let the maiden which pleaseth the king be queen instead of Vashti. And the thing pleased the king, and he did so. Now, if you would, to save a little time, let's go on down to verse number 8, please. Verse 8. So it came to pass, when the king's commandment and his decree was heard, and when many maidens were gathered together unto Shushan the palace, to the custody of Haggai, that Esther was brought also unto the king's house, to the custody of Haggai, keeper of the women. And the maiden pleased him, and she obtained kindness of him, and he speedily gave her her things for purification, with such things as belonged to her, and seven maidens, which were meet to be given her out of the king's house. And he preferred her and her maids unto the best place of the house of the women. Now go with me, please, to verse 15 of chapter 2. Verse 15. Now when the turn of Esther, the daughter of Abihail, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her for his daughter, was come to go in unto the king, she required nothing but what Haggai, the king's chamberlain, the keeper of the women, appointed. And Esther obtained favor in the sight of all them that looked upon her. So Esther was taken unto King Ahasuerus into his house royal in the tenth month, which is the month Tebeth, in the seventh year of his reign. And the king loved Esther above all the women, and she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins, so that he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. 
Now, so much could be stated here in in these passages we just read. However, I will remain focused on the main point of this writing, and that is the providence of God. Now, by definition, providence in theology is the care and oversight which God exercises over his creatures. In other words, providence is God working out the details of our life. It is not destiny. It is not fate. It is not kismet. It is providence that we attest to today. It was God's providence that saved Noah. I'd like for you to leave your marker in Esther so you can find it quickly and turn with me to Genesis chapter 6. Everyone turn with me. Genesis chapter 6. Now I realize that we've gotten kind of spoiled around here with our with our video ministry of having the scriptures just flash up on the screen and we don't have to do any turning. But this is kind of like a Bible quiz time. Genesis chapter 6. Let's see how quickly you can find it. Genesis chapter 6. And we'll begin reading in verse number 8. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 8. I'm sorry, 5. Verse 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. Now look at verse 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. It was God's providence that preserved Noah alive. It wasn't luck. It wasn't fate. It wasn't destiny. It was God's providential hand, and it moved upon Noah. Noah found grace in the eyes of God, and God preserved Noah by his own providence. It was God's providence that brought Moses into favor in the house of the one man seeking to destroy him. Go with me now to Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2. It's always amazed me that the one man that was seeking to destroy Moses is the very man that God used to raise Moses. And that was God's providence. Exodus chapter 2. Let's begin in verse 1. Exodus chapter 2 and verse 1. And there went a man of the house of Levi and took to wife a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could no longer hide him, she took uh, for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein, and she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. And his sister stood afar off to wit what would happen or what would be done to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her maidens walked along by the river's side. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then said his, his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. And the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Moses. And she said, Because I drew him out of the water. It was the providence of God that brought Moses to the house of Pharaoh, the man who sought his life. 
I find it also interesting, if you'll notice again with me, as if we look there uh, at verse number 9, Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, her being Moses' own mother, take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy way. She got paid to take care of her own child. Isn't that great? I mean, Pharaoh's daughter said, you take this child, it happened to be her own child, you take this child, you bring it home, you nurse it and take care of it, and I'm going to pay you, and I'm going to pay you well. And God's providence not only preserved Moses alive, but provided for his family as well. The providence of God. And this great providence that we saw move in Noah's life, and we saw move in Moses' life, will move in your life today, and will move in my life today, and by the way, is moving in our lives today. I think it's time we, take a, we stop in America and take a look at the providence of God, the things that God has done for us. I gave our junior high students a, an assignment in, in class just recently. I told them, I want you to go home and I want you to make a list of every blessing you have from God. And on the other side, I want you to make a list of every reason to complain. Eight students went home, did that assignment, and no one put anything on the complaint side. Because we don't have anything to complain about. Hallelujah. But we have, oh, I tell you, the list on the praise side was long. And we need to do that as, our, as, as Christians. Sit down and take, take stock, take inventory of your blessings from God. God's providence is great. In Matthew chapter 6, we read from 31 through 34, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. I've known people over the years that have, have sat and fret and worry. Oh, well, what are we going to do tomorrow? What are we going to do tomorrow? Hey, don't worry about tomorrow. Worry about today. You've got to get through today first. If you're not careful, today will come up and bite you right on the nose. And we don't need to worry about all these things. Our Heavenly Father knows we need these things. God's providence is upon us, and He will take care of us. Many today do not acknowledge this providence. They in vain seek to provide for themselves. I've seen people literally rejecting God, trying to make their way themselves. But what does the Bible say about this? In Psalm 127 and verse 1, look at the words of the psalmist. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman watcheth but in vain. Listen, praise God for our military tonight. Praise God for our young soldiers who are in Iraq, who are in Afghanistan, and throughout the rest of the world. And they are there tonight as watchmans of our, of our nation. They are there to defend our freedom and liberties. But let me tell you something, folks. Unless God, unless God keeps watch over America... These young men are dying in vain. They're watching in vain. It is God that has to build a house. It is God that has to watch the city. And tonight, 
His people need to remember that it is not by the government, it is not by the military, it is not by the the right hand of man, but it is by the providence of God that we have what we have and that we will receive what we need. Tonight, I, I must ask the same question posed by Solomon in the book of Proverbs. In Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 22, Solomon states, How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. And tonight I'll ask this, How long, ye foolish children, will ye deny the sovereignty and providence of our great God? You know, I think Christians in America are angering God because we're not trusting him. We're failing. We're failing in our dependence upon the Lord. Churches all over this country are are failing to depend upon God. They're, They're off their knees and on their feet, and they're trying to do the work that only God can do. How long, America, will you deny the sovereignty and the providence of our great God? How long will America push God out of the courtrooms? How long will America shove God out of the, out of the government houses? How long will we shove God out of the schools? How long will we be foolish men? How long? And in the story of Esther, we see the providence of God. Esther was preferred above every other girl in the kingdom. I don't think that was an accident. I don't think it was an accident that Moses' little bitty bulrush ark waddled its way right into Pharaoh's daughter's bathing pool. I don't think it was an accident. I don't think it was an accident that Noah and his family got on the ark and stayed alive. It wasn't an accident. It was the providence of God. And tonight, you and I need to remember our God will take care of us. He is still on his throne tonight. And no one can move him from his throne. Let's trust God. Don't fret and worry about Iraq. Don't fret and worry about Iran. Iran can, make all, can, can build all the nuclear missiles that they want. God can swat them out of the sky like flies. Don't worry about it. God is in control. So lesson number one tonight is the providence of God. Well, there's a second lesson to learn from Esther, and that's lesson number two, and that is the purpose of God. We need to remember not only the providence of God, but tonight I think we need to remember the purpose of God. The purpose. Look with me at Esther chapter 4. Esther, you should have a marker there. Let's go back to the book of Esther and let's look at chapter 4. Esther chapter 4, and and, and let's begin reading at verse number 1. When Mordecai perceived all that was done, Mordecai rent his clothes. And that doesn't mean he went down to men's warehouse and got himself a real nice suit. That means he tore his clothes, he ripped it. And put on sackcloth with ashes and went out into the midst of the city and cried with a loud and a bitter cry and came even before the king's gate For none might enter into the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. And in every province, whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came, there was great mourning among the Jews, and fasting, and weeping, and wailing, and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. So Esther's maids and her chamberlains came and told it her. Then was the queen exceedingly grieved, and she sent raiment to clothe Mordecai and to take away his sackcloth from him, but he received it not. Then called Esther for Hatak, 
one of the king's chamberlains, whom he had appointed to attend upon her, and gave him a commandment to Mordecai to know what it was and why it was. So Hatak went forth to Mordecai under the street of the city, which was before the king's gate. And Mordecai told him of all that had happened unto him and of the sum of the money that Haman had promised to pay to the king's treasuries for the Jews to destroy them. Also he gave him the copy of the writing of the decree that was given at Shushan to destroy them, to show it unto Esther and to declare it unto her, and to charge her that she should go in unto the king to make supplication unto him and to make request before him for her people. And Hatak came and told Esther the words of Mordecai. Again Esther spake unto Hatak and gave him commandment unto Mordecai. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces do know that whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come unto the king into the inner court who is not called, there is one law of his to, be, to put him to death, except such to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter that he may live. But I have not been called to come in unto the king these thirty days." And they told to Mordecai Esther's words. Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Then Esther bade them return Mordecai this answer, Go. Gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan, and fast ye for me, and neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise, and so will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law, and if I perish, I perish. The purpose of God. Now, Haman was a Persian. He was an Arab, and Haman hated the Jews. More directly, Haman hated Mordecai, a Jew and the uncle of Esther. He hated him because Mordecai did not bow down to Haman as Haman thought that he should. So Haman devised a plot to destroy all of the Jews. He conspired with his wife to go to the king and to defame Mordecai. His wife, absolutely certain that Haman had the favor of the king, convinced him to build gallows upon which to hang Mordecai, then go in unto the king and secure his favor in this thing. Further than that, he stated to the king that the Jews in his land did not obey the king's laws, and therefore the king must punish them, or else others would certainly follow suit. He then proposed to personally offer a bounty of 10,000 talents of silver to be paid to the king to compensate for the lost revenue and tribute by the Jews. I looked it up this week. 10,000 talents of silver in today's economy would equate to $15 million. He offered to give the king $15 million to kill the Jews. <laughs> Doesn't it sound like uh, some of the Arabs out there today? They would pay any amount of money to kill the Jews. This man hated the Jews. His hatred was great. However, Haman was not aware of two very important facts. First, that Mordecai had found the favor of the king. Look with me at Esther chapter 3, and look at verse 21 of Esther chapter 3. Don't have 21 verses, hold on. Uh, I'm sorry, it's chapter 2. <laughs> Esther chap, uh, chapter 2, verse 21. In those days, while Mordecai sat in the king's gates, two of the king's chamberlains, Bigthan and Teresh, 
some great names, of those which kept the door were raw and sought to lay hand on the king Azarias. And the thing was known to Mordecai, who told it unto Esther the queen. And Esther certified the king thereof in Mordecai's name. And when inquisition was made of the matter, it was found out. Therefore they were both hanged on a tree, and it was written in the book of the Chronicles before the king. And there you see that Mordecai learned of a plot to kill the king, and Mordecai warned the king. So Mordecai was in favor with the king, and and Haman knew this not. And Haman thought that he would go to the king, and he would defame Mordecai, and he would have Mordecai put to death. But there was a second thing that Haman did not know. And that is that Queen Esther herself was a Jew. Now focus again with me on verse 14 of chapter 4. Here we see, if you look in the middle of the verse, it says, Mordecai states to Esther, And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Now listen to me. God had a purpose for Esther. And that purpose is now clearly defined in her life. And God has a purpose for you tonight as well, and for me. We may not know, or we may not yet know, what that purpose is. Maybe you do. You may know tonight, I know the purpose for my life. God has revealed to me His will. I know what God has for me to do. But you may not. But either way is irrelevant, because God does know what His purpose for you is is tonight. And it is he that will bring to pass his will and his purpose in your life. And we see the application of this in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, where Paul writes, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And there are times when we have absolutely no idea why things are happening to us. All the sorrows, all the joys, all the defeats, all the victories, all of these things are God working in our life to fulfill His calling according to His purpose in our lives. We see the providence of God in the life of Esther. And we see the purpose of God in the life of Esther. But there's one other thing we have to look at tonight, and that is this. Lesson number three is the protection of God. The protection of God. Look with me now at Esther chapter 7. Esther chapter 7. We read beginning at verse 1. So the king and Haman came to banquet with Esther the queen. And the king said again unto Esther on the second day at the banquet of wine, What is thy petition, Queen Esther? And it shall be granted thee. And what is thy request? And it shall be performed even to the half of the kingdom. Then Esther the queen answered and said, If I have found favor in thy sight, O king... And if it please the king, let my life be given me at my petition and my people at my request. For we are sold, I and my people, to be destroyed, to be slain, and to perish. But if we had been sold for bondmen and bondwomen, I had held my tongue, although the enemy could not countervail the king's damage. Then the king Asareus answered and said unto Esther the queen, Who is he, and where is he that durst presume in his heart to do so? And Esther said, The adversary and enemy is this wicked Haman. Then Haman was afraid before the king and the queen. And the king, arising from the banquet of wine in his wrath, went into the palace garden. 
And Haman stood up to make request for his life to Esther the queen, for he saw that there was evil determined against him by the king. Then the king returned out of the palace garden into the palace, into the the place of the banquet of wine, and Haman was fallen upon the bed whereon Esther was. Then said the king, Will he force the queen also before me in the house? And the word went out of the king's mouth. As the word went out of the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. And Harbona, one of the chamberlains, said before the king, Behold, also the gallows, fifty cubits high, which Haman had made for Mordecai, who had spoken good for the king, standeth in the house of Haman. Then the king said, Hang him thereon. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then was the king's wrath pacified. I love that story. Haman thought he was going to get Mordecai. And you know, there are people who think they're going to get you. Now, you will recall that a few moments ago, I said that one of the facts that Haman was not aware of was that Mordecai had found favor with the king. I want you to see what happens. Look at Esther chapter 6 with me. Esther chapter 6. Now, we're going to read 12 verses, so bear with me. Esther chapter 6. Let's begin in verse 1. On that night could not the king sleep, and he commanded to bring the book of records of the chronicles, and they were read before the king. And it was found written that Mordecai had told of uh, Bigthana and Teresh, two of the king's chamberlains, the keepers of the door, who sought to lay hand on, on the king Azarias. And the king said, What honor and dignity hath been done to Mordecai for this? Then said the king's servant that ministered unto him, There is nothing done for him. And the king said, Who is in the court? Now Haman was come into the outward court of the king's house to speak unto the king to hang Mordecai on the gallows that he had prepared for him. And the king's servant said unto him, Behold, Haman standeth in the court. And the king said, Let him come in. So Haman came in, and the king said unto him, What shall be done unto the man whom the king delighteth to honor? Now Haman thought in his heart, To whom would the king delight to do honor more than to myself? Haman, listen, Haman thought, oh boy, I'm going to get something here. The king wants to honor me. So man, I'm going to really tell him some good stuff. And Haman answered the king, for the man whom the king delighteth to honor, let the royal apparel be brought, which the king uh, useth to wear, and the horse that the king rideth upon, and the crown royal which is set upon his head. And let this apparel and horse be delivered to the hand of one of the king's most noble princes, that they may array the man withal whom the king delighteth to honor, and bring him on horseback through the street of the city, and proclaim before him, Thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delighteth to honor. Because Haman thought it was him. But now look at verse 10. Then the king said to Haman, Make haste and take the apparel and the horse, as thou hast said, and do so even to Mordecai the Jew that sitteth at the king's gate. Let nothing fail of all that thou hast spoken. I love that. Then took Haman the apparel and the horse and arrayed Mordecai and brought him on horseback through the street of the city and proclaimed before him, Thus shall it be done unto the man whom the king delighted to honor. And Mordecai came again to the king's gate, but Haman hasted to his house mourning and having his head covered. And Haman told Zeresh, his wife, and all his friends everything that had befallen him. Then said his wise men and Zeresh, his wife, unto him, If Mordecai be of the seed of the Jews, before whom thou hast begun to fall, thou shalt not prevail against him, but shalt surely fall before him. And while they were yet talking with him, came the king's chamberlains and hasted to bring Haman unto the banquet that Esther had prepared. Oh, 
How often in life do we see that the enemies of God's people have sought to destroy them, but to no avail? How many times have people tried to extinguish the Jewish nation, and they fail, and they fail miserably, and they will continue to fail miserably because they are God's people. And by the way, I'm God's people too, and you're God's people too, and no one will do a thing to us that God does not allow to happen. We are under the protection of God then why do we fret and worry? In John chapter 15, verses 18 through 20, Jesus states, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. We have no need to worry or fear the world today. In Luke chapter 12, we read from verses 4 and 5, And I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him which after ye hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. In this story of Esther, we see that God turned the intention of Haman upon his own head. We read a moment ago in verse 10, So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then was the king's wrath pacified. Not just gallows, 75 feet tall gallows. Haman wanted to make sure everybody watched Mordecai squirm like a worm. But guess who squirmed like the worm? It wasn't Mordecai. We have no greater protection available to us today than God. Psalm 61 and verse 3, For thou hast been a shelter for me, and a strong tower from the enemy. In Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 10, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it, and is safe. Our Savior promised that he would never leave us nor forsake us, and in this we can have the confidence to live for him. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12, we read, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. So what have we seen tonight? Let me give you one last statement. That is this. Keep your eyes on the Lord and fulfill God's purpose for your life. Whatever happens around you tonight, whatever happens around you in your life, no matter what it is, you keep your eyes on the Lord. And you remember that God will providentially care for you. And you remember that God has a purpose for you. And every purpose of God will be accomplished. And you remember that it is God that protects you. No matter what may befall. We can have the confidence to know. That he is able to keep that. Which I have committed unto him against that day. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time together. Lord, help us to remember we're forgetful people. We forget. And Lord, we know that you care for us. And Father, we we believe that you have a purpose for this church, for our ministries, and for every individual here. Help us to remember that, Lord. Help us to never take for granted what we have here because you have a purpose in all of this. And then, Lord, help us to remember we have no need of fear because it is you that is our protector. 
Lord, you turned Haman's plot around on his own head. He had no idea what was happening. And Lord, you will thwart the enemies of your people today. Those that would seek to to see this church closed and destroyed. Lord, you will turn. They will hang on their own gallows. Help us to remember that. Give us the confidence and the faith and the trust we need. And we'll thank you and we'll praise you and we'll, we'll give all the glory unto your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right.